0: Con Radio, presented by Wizard World. Radio for geeks. You're listening to the Canned Air Podcast. Your refusal to listen will be one more
1: reason for me to fire up my death ray and take over the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Canned Air, a tribute to comics and pop culture right here on Wizard World's Con Radio. I am Jeremy Collie, Jack Doherty. Jake Runyon. And joining us today, the writer from Sons of Yellowstone, Jeff Nelson. Thanks so much for being with us, Jeff.
0: Um, thank you. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. It's been a long day. I apologize. No, no, you're fine,
1: man. We have a good show for you today. We're going to be talking our favorite villains in this week's retro roundtable. I think that'll be a lot of fun. I have a few in the barrel to oh, this, launch the subject
2: I've been waiting for. Yeah. Okay,
1: <laughs> awesome. Then we're going to go around talking about some comics. Uh, personally, I'm going to be talking Star Wars C3PO. What about you guys? We got Huck,
2: Huck. And Killer of Demons, which is a comic that really delivers on the title.
1: (laughs) Good to hear. And then after all that, we're going to be turning our attention over to Jeff and talking about Sons of Yellowstone. So let's just kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. Engage.
3: (laughs) I'll be back.
4: (laughs) Shut up! Shut
1: up! Alright guys, favorite villains Uh, Jeff, do you
3: want to start being the guest?
0: Okay, so this may seem a little bit childish But are any of you guys fans of Avatar The Last Airbender?
3: I saw half of the first book when it was on Netflix And they took it off I never really got into it while it was on But I know a bit about it
0: Fire Lord Ozai on on Avatar The Last Airbender is a boss He's voiced (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> He's voiced by Mark Hamill, um, who also no does. No wow. Yep. Who also Who also does the Joker? Obviously, that's what he, you know. Um, I kind of think in the hardcore comic world, Mark Hamill's more famous for being the Joker than Luke Skywalker. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. No
2: doubt. That's where
1: my mind goes first. Joker anyway, anymore? Yeah.
0: For those of you who haven't seen it, I hate to drop a big a big spoiler on the show, but in the finale, which is incredible, the entire series, the protagonist, Aang, tells Ozai, basically, you have the power to end all this, and Ozai, is, and Ozai basically says, like, you're right, I do have the power, I have all the power in the world, and he goes freaking, like, Super Saiyan, it's, it, it, <laughs> <laughs> like, like... Like, like I remember, I was 18 when the finale aired. I was working a summer job at a fish restaurant. I got back at like probably midnight. I DVR'd it. I watched it, and I remember, and like my eyes bulged at that. I was like, "This guy's awesome." <laughs> but
1: yeah, I'll have to see that. I've never seen the uh, Last Airbender.
0: The cartoon is awesome. The M Night Shyamalan movie sucks, but yeah, right. yes. <laughs>
2: widely known that that's an atrocious
3: (laughs) film. Yeah. Favorite villain? Biff Tannen.
0: Ooh, boy. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one.
3: cock-sucking douchebag, but you can't help but love him at the same time.
1: And there were so many different generations of him, too.
2: (laughs) It's a Biff for every type of person you hate most in the world. He covers the whole spectrum. (laughs) That's a good one.
0: I mean, for him, his name just really sums it up. If you had someone named Biff Tannen, you wouldn't think they're a nice guy. Like, you know, you no. would pretty much almost immediately think they're an asshole, you know? Oh, You've yeah. got one career choice. It is asshole. <laughs> when you cannot you, deviate.
1: When you have a child and name it Biff, it's like having That's... a child and naming it Jeeves. He's going to be a butler. <laughs> you are signing
2: a contract for that child. <laughs> right. <laughs> what about you, Jake? This is going to sound like a cop-out answer, but I tell you what, all my favorite villains share a particular trait. So I'm going to say my favorite type of villain, my favorite, like, villainous archetype, I like the Imperial figures. The ones with aspirations of like global domination you know the truly ruthless not necessarily the imposing physically dangerous you know like your banes and things like that or your bebop and rock steady <laughs> i like the figure that's behind the scenes pulling the strings and when necessary commits the atrocities to further the goal i, I like you know kingpin things like oh, that yeah. even though he does have like that physical presence he will fully well, kick your ass if necessary
0: well, I think what's cool about someone like the Kingpin is that he's both. Is that he has the mind to manipulate, um, you know, to kind of move all the chess pieces. But if he's gotta beat the crap out of you, then he'll beat the crap out of you. You know, yes, right? Dude's scary as hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Even but, uh,
1: before Daredevil came along, the dude was scary. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, absolutely. the Daredevil series really accentuated that. But uh, yeah, I
0: yeah. mean, honestly, the one good part about the 03 um, Ben Affleck movie was the kingpin. And oh, yeah, I forgot
2: about it was that. Cool. Is that Michael yeah. Clark Duncan? Awesome. With yeah, the yeah. kingpin? Yeah.
0: You know, like um everything else sucked, but yeah, I like the kingpin. <laughs> have you guys ever played uh Final Fantasy 6? No, I don't Not think I six, have. Not 6, no. Uh Kefka, he's absolutely insane. Like oh, he's, he's kind like, of
2: like the very pale sort of a clown, almost a jokery thing yeah. going.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, which I kind of liked Kefka better than Sephiroth, who was the villain in Seven. Obviously, and Seven is the most famous game in the series because yeah. Sephiroth they were uh, Sephiroth they were trying to get you to feel sorry for, but Kafka they're like, nope, he's just uh, you know he's just a crazy dude who kills people. So have fun.
2: I've got like one memory of that, like one distinct memory of that character, and I think I guess now that I think about it, it must have been at a friend's house and I was watching him play it. It's they introduce that character, and, like, one of the first things he does in the game is he has one of his lackeys, like, lick his boots or yep. something. Just so <laughs> yeah. you know right off the rip, you're like, oh, this is a son of a bitch. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah um, I got that game for, I think, Super Nintendo, was it? And that was before my parents really understood what ratings were, and I was like, I was like, I think, five or six. And, yeah, they It's just they a whole sat- new
2: world you were introduced to. Right.
0: They sat next to me. And watched me play it, and I was like, and they and they were like, so what you playing? They were kind of taken aback by it, and I think that was the same night where they where they let me rent the Street Fighter II uh, film, which was the one where, which was the one where Chun Li was buck naked. Yeah, that was. Yeah,
2: a little learning
1: experience. <laughs> yeah, nothing wrong it's like, with that.
0: I was five. I love Street Fighter. I saw the movie. I was like, "Oh, cool!" You know, I thought it would be like a Street Fighter Bull. Well, it was, a, you know, it was a Street Fighter movie, but you know, making
1: Chun Li. Nice little
2: bonus for you.
1: <laughs> Again, touching back on when we talked about, uh, I think we were talking about Street Fighter in another retro roundtable. That one part where you could get Chun Li to. Do her high kicking? you hit pause. <laughs> you just and you're, oh, yeah, yeah. There's that butt.
2: <laughs> How many projection TVs from that decade have that image of Chun-Li with her legs in the air burned, burned into, into the it. screen? <laughs> you can't give him away at the garage. If you go
1: to somebody's house and that's burned to their projection You just screen, found your best friend. You don't sit on the couch is what you <laughs> do. <laughs> you
2: don't you sit wear your stare. hazmat suit whenever <laughs> you walk around.
0: Or the spinning burr when she's upside down twirling through
2: the- <laughs> There you go, yeah. So many possibilities.
1: One of my favorite villains, and this is kind of unconventional, because, I mean, he's not really a villain, but on the show he played the villainous character was from that 70s show,
2: Red Foreman. Oh, oh yeah. man. He um, would be the villain, easy.
1: Yeah, I love that character. Like the he,
2: antagonist. I think you're yeah, within yeah. that range, yeah.
1: Both oh. he and uh, Deborah Jo Rupp, uh, Kitty, were mm-hmm. they yeah. made that show for Great me. They were, show. they were
2: all good, but those should two... should have had
0: their own show, you know? Yeah, <laughs> well, but, if we're going if we're going into the sitcom world, can we count Sue from Seinfeld as a villain? Because she was kind of like George's fiance who died of the envelope poisoning. Yeah, <laughs> she's dead. I forgot about. Seinfeld. Are you sure?
1: That's like opening a whole new right, vault she's like, for me here. Oh, Overwhelmed.
0: Oh, dude, like probably the only '90s sitcom I can watch is Seinfeld.
3: That's a great show. For good reason, yeah. Dude, if you're staying with Seinfeld, Newman. Oh, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So many from Seinfeld. Yeah. The
1: suit Nazi. The suit Nazi. Yep. Man, that, what a great show. Magneto is another favorite of mine. I was, was going to say.
2: Just... For no other reason that I want the power. Oh, my yeah. God. I want that power. Mm-hmm. It's so, almost like it's like the least limited of the mutant yeah. powers. At a certain level, he's able to affect more or less everything. Because like, isn't he like... Vibrating molecules at some point yeah. to melt boulders into lava. It's just like at a certain level, his powers. Yeah, I'm rambling now, but Magneto's <laughs> no. bad.
3: Yeah, he's def- definitely bad. First class really showed his powers good when he was yeah. lifting the jet. And then, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah.
0: but is he really a villain anymore? Given his pretty sympathetic backstory of you know his kind of horrible upbringing and kind of I, I, I would call him more of, I would call him more of an anti-hero now than a villain.
1: Yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. He's really turned into that. He right. used to be a villain, yeah. absolutely. And and you know, I think at a certain level, like,
0: yeah. Sorry, like, go ahead. Yeah, like the '90s X-Men comics, he is a oh, straight-up yeah. bona fide villain. But oh, yeah, yeah,
1: good stuff right there. Oh yeah.
2: And
0: yeah. and you know, it's
2: it's it seems like these days there's, there's like a big push to make the villain characters sympathetic but really yeah. the exclusion of characters like, like say Dark Knight, Joker who's mm. like pure mischief, pure chaos and the occasional yeah. murder the difference between a hero and a villain is ultimately it's, it's not even I think goals but means of getting there Like, I I tend to think of villains as being uncompromising, and that's what makes them villainous. Like, evil is inherently selfish. It's cowardice. You know, they're unconcerned with the people around them, which is an incredible trait. I think that makes for amazing characters. Mm -hmm. That's why I love Palpatine. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> so there's my really subtle segue
1: into the great that. villain right there. I would love to see the uh, his backstory. Oh, man, in yeah. any form comic, I'm, movie, TV, definitely.
2: I'd push hard actually, for like that spin off movie. Oh, yeah, put away Han Solo, bring Palpatine. Yeah, I'm done, Hell, we don't need him. He's yeah. dead. Oh, it's a shame. Palpatine now, yeah.
0: yeah. I'm actually curious because in the I assume you guys have seen the Rogue One trailer, correct? Yes,
2: yes. yes. yeah, yeah,
0: so there is the brief image of the cloaked figure kneeling. I've been reading on some forums that that is Palpatine kneeling to Supreme Leader Snoke who's in like a to tank.
3: What? I've seen the, huh. the thing though. Why is Snoke in the Bacta tank? But I haven't clicked
0: it. Backs- so, which is which is which basically implies that Snoke is kind of the grand mastermind, and Palpatine was kind of the puppet. I'm not sure how I feel about that personally, if that's true, because I can't picture Palpatine kneeling to anybody. No, me neither.
2: It's like violation yeah. of the rule of two, right? Yeah. Isn't he like a yeah. big proponent of that thing? Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's something. It's something that's fun to talk about, but if it's actually in the movie, I'll be like, ah. Oh.
1: Agreed. (laughs) I I don't have high hopes for Rogue One. I think it'll be good, but I just... I'm sick of seeing... And not to sound sexist, but just the, <laughs> the heroic female lead. I mean, The Hunger Games has really shoved that down our throat and mm. up our asses, and it's everyone else
2: is mimicking it. When now. it's made with that intention of yeah. like we're going to make this female character, people will look upon as a yeah. strong female character. The heart of it is gone. The character is meaningless when it's just a cash in, right? You know. But then again, I guess you can't have it both ways. You can't complain about the lack and then the abundance. You know?
1: <laughs> let me let yeah. me clarify though that I think oh, sure. uh, the I don't know remember her name. Ridley, Daisy Ridley Did played you, Ray. Yeah. She was phenomenal. Oh, what an awesome great. job. Awesome lead. But, you know, like in the X-Men movies, it, an apocalypse that's coming out, the trailer they're mm. playing has uh, Juliet, or not Juliet. Jennifer. Jennifer uh, Lawrence. Lawrence. Lawrence yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, giving a heroic speech. We're X-Men, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. We're with, just trying to
2: kill every right, member. <laughs> with City in <and laughs> Ruins <laughs> behind <laughs> her. Like,
0: and she's Mystique too. Mystique can't be making those heroic speeches, man. She's Mystique. Yeah, she
1: was just trying to murder, uh, what, like the president and uh, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. you know, yeah. assassinate yeah. Trask and, and,
2: and, and Trask. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. remember his name. Mystique is defined by the fact that she's an asshole, and that's fine. Yeah. You know, that's a great character. And now she's going to come uh, talk
1: to Tina. Yeah, I don't know. I don't about know about that.
0: that. I'm not Sweet. really sure where the X-Men movies are going. To be honest with you, I'm probably <laughs> going to see Apocalypse, but oh, I absolutely. mean, I mean, I just. I mean granted granted, Apocalypse always has looked kinda cheesy, you know, like you know <laughs> He's a little <laughs> goofy, yeah. He looks like freaking Ivan Ooze now, you know? Yeah, right. I mean it's just like I mean like come on man. It's like this is this guy was supposed to be seen as a god to the ancient Egyptians and now he's basically a bee you know you know and now he's basically a bee villain, you know. know? at I
3: least know. they got the uh, scene of him growing. That's cool. Yeah.
2: I liked that. I was you like, know, oh, oh no.
3: Nightmare yeah. or something like yeah. that all of a sudden.
2: Someone's yeah. dream that you know, he's getting real big. I remember when I was younger watching the uh, X-Men animated series, which has not oh. aged very well. No, 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 it has not. <laughs> but um, when I was very young, I didn't really have a concept of the word apocalypse Gross. or even anything that huge. You know, My brain probably couldn't have processed that concept, but... Uh, his name was Apocalypse, which I never really got, and I just assumed it had something to do with the way his big crazy lips went up the side of his cheeks into <laughs> the back. Oh of my head.
0: God, that's the very same thing. I, I just assumed that Apocalypse was. It's, that must be that, it, right? Same thing when I was like seven years old watching The X Men as a kid. I do so, <laughs>
1: Man, that was, used to be such a good show, but yeah. yeah. It's amazing
2: how good a show it was and how terrible a show it is. <laughs> well, it's just the frame
1: rate, I think, on the cartoon. Oh, yeah, the animation's anything, real choppy. It's worse than the Spider Man cartoon from the 90s, which <laughs> yeah. is pretty bad, but it's tolerable. Right. The X Men well, was bad.
0: A few weeks ago, I I rewatched episodes of X-Men, of X-Men Evolution, and that's still pretty good. I mean, you know, that came out, like, in the early 2000s, and, you know... That's when they were younger, right? Yeah, Yeah. um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Basically, they're all in high school, say for, like, Storm, uh, Wolverine, basically, you know, there are some older X-Men, but most of them are younger.
1: I enjoyed Wolverine and his X-Men. That one was pretty good, yeah. That was really good, yeah. X-Men,
0: um... That was the one where uh, what was the guy's name? Um, the guy who um, the guy who voiced Spike Lee played uh, played a uh, Logan. Um, Steve Blum, I think his name is. Oh, oh man, no.
2: Steve Blum. I. He's competent, you know. But I'm sorry, you've triggered. You've hit my RAN button. <laughs> he's just everywhere. You cannot a- escape Steve Blum. Every game, every animated show. All over the place, and it's driving me insane because it's like he's the easy button when you need to voice a character. It's like, you want to be kind of gruff, and you're like, oh, this is a no-nonsense character. Let's get Steve. But, like, he doesn't bring anything (laughs) new to the character. Sometimes he sounds a little Russian, like, hey, good on you, Steve, but come on. Think outside the box a little.
1: So you're you're not saying we should maybe get him on the show? You know what, Steve? If you're ever
2: on the... No. (laughs) 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 I respect what he does, and he must be making the big bucks because he's all over the place. It's just, I'm an asshole. And I get tired of that
1: <laughs> I've, I've got uh, hatred toward people like that Okay, here's one of my personal villains Don't For abs- <laughs> absolutely no reason whatsoever But Amy Poehler mm. Oh. Mm. I cannot stand her <laughs> Cannot stand her I, I'm i sorry, Amy It's really, if you should happen to hear <laughs> this It's nothing personal, I promise you But uh, I Jeremy, I
2: want to support you in all your endeavors mm-hmm. But I'm going to have to take a pass on this one. Oh my god I like her I love I love Parks and Rec. Oh, Uh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm letting you sit in my house. I know. I know. I thought maybe we'd last a little longer than this, but I guess it's run its course.
0: Uh, I like her too. Um, um, (laughs) Wasn't she in uh, Wasn't she in the Netflix series of Wet Hot American Summer?
1: Oh, I don't know. I've never seen that. I don't think I've seen that either. Mm I don't
0: know. She might have been. I'm not sure. I've um, I've personally never seen uh, Parks and Rec. So. I have no idea. i missing
1: much. Beat you too.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I guess you get the last word on this one. Candare's <laughs> official stance on Parks and Rec. Don't waste your time. Candare, <laughs> it's worth it for Nick Offerman. <laughs> <laughs> oh man.
1: Anyone else favorite villains? We got like a- um, two, two, three, four minutes left.
2: Sauron. I'm just going to leave it there. Sauron. Ooh, yeah. it's that Dark Lord archetype. He's like what a necromancer. He's yep. fucking dangerous out in the field. It's He's just got the big legions. eyeball on a tower. He was just a big eyeball. <laughs> um, after he could no longer <laughs> take fair forms because the my arm. Blah blah blah. Tolkien lore. He just uh, whispered people all yeah. the time.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna throw a Loki out there. Oh, that's, Whoa, a, good that's one. a good one. Yeah, good.
2: yeah. He's and this was a good. Fun. I think Hiddleston did a good interpretation of that yeah. character. Yeah. Really cool.
1: And he was always a very good villain in the comics, and just very underrated. And yeah. that he really brought him to mainstream. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Made everyone
2: aware of how awesome Loki actually is. Yeah. yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge like Norse mythology nerd. Mm. So even before like being aware of comic book Loki, I was really like receptive to the idea of Loki as a villain because right. he's yeah. such a
3: dick. Right. You know, all yeah. throughout yeah. everything. Well, he's the inspiration for the movie Mask, or the yeah. Mask. <laughs> it was the Mask of
2: Loki, uh, the Jim Carrey masterpiece. Yes, the Citizen <laughs> of <its> <laughs> oh, Ventura, Kane of its generation.
0: Isn't today's Ventura the Citizen Kane of its generation? Oh yeah. By the way, villains. Uh- Ray
3: Finkel from Ancient <laughs> You mean Lois Einhorn? Yep.
0: <laughs> 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 Einhorn
1: is a man! Oh my god! If yeah. Einhorn is indeed a woman, she's suffering from the worst case of hemorrhoids I have ever seen! He found Captain Winky! <laughs> and on that note, we'll just end that segment right Perfect. there. <laughs> right. And on walk out on a high note, they always oh, say. Oh, of course. Yeah. Right, so... <laughs> All right. Well, let's dive into the comic dump bin. Who would like to go first this week?
2: I think I may have gone first last time. Maybe it's my turn to go first this time. Well, what I
1: picked up is uh, still fairly new. It's Star Wars C-3PO, so if you have it and haven't read it yet, don't want to be spoiled, maybe skip ahead two or three minutes. But it came
3: out like last week, I think it was.
1: Did it? Uh, so yeah, it'll, I did, think. it'll have been out about two weeks by time this year. Yeah. I really really enjoyed it. I didn't think I would but it's an issue number one standalone that tells the story behind 3PO's red arm in The Force Awakens. Uh, written by James Robinson and the uh, artist was Tony Harris on that. But uh, it starts with a like a rebel ship crashing down on this planet. I don't think they really specify what planet it was. But uh, all living crew on the ship was killed, and all that's left are C-3PO and the rest of the droids. And the point of this mission was they had uh, captured an Imperial droid, very much like C-3PO. You know the droid that uh, has, like, the C-3PO 30 c body, but kind of like a bug-looking head? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those. And uh, so they start saying, you know, we need to find help, find transport back to the Rebellion base because this droid's carrying vital information. And as they're journeying to civilization, you know, animals and stuff from the planet are taking them out one by one. And by the end, all that's left is C-3PO in this Imperial droid. And this Imperial droid keeps saying, you know do you serve the Rebellion because you want to or because you're programmed to? And c 3 po is like, well, you know, I am a droid. That is kind of my lot in life <laughs> to question. serve, you know. But this Imperial droid was getting a sense of independence. And uh, right when they get to civilization, an acid rain comes down that's melting everything in its path. So they take shelter. And the only way to get help is for this Imperial droid to walk out Into the rain and broadcast a signal. Now, again, he's an enemy, but by the end of the book, you know, he's decided, I don't want to be programmed to serve the Empire. You know, I want to make my own choices. I'm choosing to help you, 3PO. You've been a good leader. And he goes out, and as he's broadcasting, the rain melts him, except for one arm. So, 3PO picks up the red arm and uh, is escorted back to the rebel base. And he had lost his own arm in the battle. Like with one of the creatures on the planet So uh, they say we'll get a new arm on you And he goes you know I think I I, ha- I have this arm I'd like to put on So they put it on and he at the very end complains about Well it's not very practical It doesn't move like my other arm But he's wearing it like a tribute to that droid Who made that sacrifice That's it was, awesome It was really cool I like that yeah, it was a good book. I was very happy I picked wow. it up, so I advise it. Honor Among Droids.
3: Yeah. Thinking of that book, all I could think of it was that 80s cartoon show, Droids, when it was C-3PO oh, yeah. and R2. Yeah. That's all I could picture is a comic book of that, pretty much.
1: The artwork is uh, hmm, a little different. I don't know how you would describe that artwork. It looks... You guys right, notice is- how
0: in the last shot of... Well the last shot we saw three PO in The Force Awakens, he had both of his uh, gold arms back.
3: Yeah. Did he really? Yeah, he did. I didn't notice that. I caught something on YouTube that was talking about that and I never did I never realized it, but yeah, at the very end when they're saying goodbye to
0: Ray. Yeah, he has both his gold arms back.
3: <laughs> he, he must have decided he'd
1: paid tribute to that droid long enough. And like, all right, take it off. That
3: or he was tired of people not recognizing him. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. Who'd like to go next? I'll go next. You go next. Huck, number one, from uh, Mark Millar. One of my favorites. One of the best comic writers, I think. I I love him. Yeah, he's great. And this is a story about a guy that showed up on a, was at somebody's house, someone on a porch in a a little bassinet with a note that said, please love him. So he was an orphan and he grew up being, to be a mechanic that every day would do a good deed. Mm -hmm. Whether it was help someone cross the street or anything, anything good. And it's, He's a little slow, isn't he?
1: Now, that was the one question I was going to ask you, because it was never made clear. Like, at the comic book store, the the guy who sold the book said he was autistic. I don't see that mentioned in the book anywhere, but I think they kind of give you the impression, yeah, he's has some kind of a mental disorder.
3: When you see his face, because he's got that real child look, childish yeah. look to his face. Yes. But, yeah. I don't know who the girl was that was talking to the old woman that she was explaining the whole thing about Huck. But it was pretty neat later on in the book. On the news, you see, which it was really cool because it kind of really happened in real life that, I don't know, it was a year ago or something, a bunch of gorillas kidnapped a bunch of students, girls in Africa, and was holding them hostage. Mm -hmm. And that's what's going on on the TV and the news. So Huck decides to get on a plane and go save them all. Turns out that that ends up making news and turns him famous. And at the end of the first issue... He looks out his window, and there's paparazzi all over the place. Mm -hmm. So they're coming to see why he goes to do this.
1: Yeah, that was like the first deed of his that was on that scale. Like every other deed was like, uh,
3: I don't know, help so-and-so. He was at a drive-thru. He paid for everybody in line behind him, and he was just walking through the drive-thru. Everyone's like, well, he's not even in a car. Yeah, but But then they ended up loving him. (laughs) It's funny how that works. Yeah, right? You give someone something. (laughs) What's this idiot doing? Oh, he paid for me. He's a nice guy. Oh, the okay, way into dude. anyone's heart is with a, uh, a value meal from McDonald's. Fact, factual <laughs> statement. Mm-hmm. And it turned out, I thought it was pretty new, but you said there was up to like issue six already, so there's probably a first That's trade. out already.
1: Yeah, I went to the comic book store
3: last weekend, and there were yeah at least five of them out there. I had a hard time trying to find something, and that was on the picks, the staff picks. Yeah. It was, yeah it was good. Yeah, it was pretty neat. I'd like to keep going to see where where, where it's going to go. Yeah, actually, uh, loosely based on my life, you know, my
2: <laughs> memoirs. <laughs> you know, so just thought, you know, I, know I you don't want to brag. Game, but, very you know, interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, thanks for the insight, Huck. Oh, of course. All right. All right. Uh, Huck, do you want to go next? Or I have would... got Jeff Hiller of... The... Oh, you oh, know what? Okay. Let's have Jeff go next. Either way, I was just going to let you guys uh, hack it out. Okay. Yeah, let's let him yeah, hit it, Jeff. Okay
0: so the series I've been digging lately uh, have you guys been reading the new run of the Daredevil comics
3: I have not no. I've heard that it's good though I think somebody else was talking about That's it a couple episodes Francisco, ago in San Francisco right it, yeah it, is it? Okay. I started with the number one of that one. I did go very far with it. Yeah, I think I have the number one, but I didn't continue.
0: Those are great. The artwork's great. Um, I've only gotten the two issues, so I'm not too familiar um, with the story yet. I have. See, the, the thing with me in comics is that I get like stacks at a time and I read them like months later. Um, <laughs> <yep>. <laughs> on, on yeah. We've all been there. I'm just uh, that kind of person. So I'm always, so, so, you know, all of the new releases I'll probably get to probably in two months. So, and all the things (laughs) I'm reading now uh, are things that were released two months ago. But actually, um, a a series I'm really getting into, and I read the first three issues of, is um, is the Star Wars series. It takes place in between episodes one and two. It's called Obi-Wan and Anakin.
1: Oh, I've seen that. I haven't read it, but I've seen that on the show.
0: Now, from what I've gathered of it, um, I'm not sure who writes it, uh, but from what I've gathered, it's going to tell the story of how Anakin and Palpatine. Uh, um, it's going to tell the story of how they became so tight, um, because I mean, because you know, in Episode One, they they never really talk, and then and all of a sudden, in, in Episode Two, they're basically uh, you know friends, and but there's no real and there's kind of a disconnect. So I think that this series is going to help fill in that gap. It's um, it's going to help establish the rift between Obi Wan and. Um, oh, I and, see. Like
1: add some depth to their. Uh, uh, I
0: think yeah. I think it's gonna uh, add some depth in between the two characters. I think. Um, I think. I think it's gonna explain why why they have some tension. So basically, um, how it starts is that they're on mission to this ice planet. It's not hot, it's just some you know, it's a planet way out there in the distance, um, you know, and the and they crash land um, Obi-Wan is giving, um, is giving a lecture to Anakin and, and of course um, he's not having it and he's kind of being a brat. As is his way Um, They run into a group of locals and they've never heard of what Jedi are. And that's kind of where it leaves off. Um, And that's kind of where, you know, yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. And it's actually a very well done series. The, um, the artwork is fantastic. Um, Yeah. Yeah. and the last thing I've read that I've liked is the new run of the Spider-Man comics featuring Miles Morales, um, I think his name is.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. I haven't read that one mm-hmm. yet.
0: And you want to know what I like about that? They What's don't a- get into his origin story. Because everyone knows that he was probably bitten by a radioactive spider.
1: <laughs> Good point.
0: Well, that's it. Um, yeah you know, I'm kind of shocked that Marvel is so desperate to kill off, uh, Parker, but that's a whole story for a different time. But yeah,
1: very cool. That leaves Mr. Huck over here.
2: I've got killer of demons and I got to say of the, uh, comics I've read in the, in the recent months, this is like top three. This has been such a treat. I don't know if, you know, I mean, it's, it's not the great American novel or anything like that, but it was so much fun and it is well-written and I love the art style. And, uh, Cliff Notes version of the plot. It happens out of order, but I'll give it to you chronologically. This dude, low-level office worker at a marketing firm called Atchison and Morningstar, (laughs) which uh, mostly makes their money selling uh, old scratch brand cigarettes to school children and toddlers. At one point, they're convincing their intern to try crystal meth because they convinced her it's harmless. They're bastards. But he works for this marketing firm. He's just kind of a drone And it's run almost exclusively by demons. And the reason he knows this and no one else does is because he woke up one morning to this fat, cigar-chomping angel, calling himself Uriel, uh, (laughs) saying that he was... Uriel! (laughs) Yeah. The chosen of God. He says, you are the killer of demons. You are the hand of justice on this earth Sent to defy the forces of Lucifer He looks in the mirror And his face is just like this blessed blue flame Like his appearance is distorted So that he has free reign to destroy demons Wherever he goes Mm -hmm. On like security footage and photos and stuff You can't tell who he is Nice And upon, uh, upon being told that he's the killer of demons He goes into work and he finds All but one person he works with Day to day is a demon in disguise. And the first scene in the book, he's at a strip club with his boss and one of his coworkers. And a woman brings him back for a lap dance. And he's like, Hey, do you want to come with me to the back room? She's like, Oh yeah, sure, baby. And she <laughs> climbs onto his lap. And in the next panel, you see the end of a knife blast out of the small of her back. And she Ooh. slumps over and she's this like ram horned succubus lying on the ground. He's like, Oh God, that's a shame! <laughs> wow. <laughs> and so he uh, he's just roving around, killing demons, trying not to get caught. At one point, he massacres a White Castle. <laughs> Something <laughs> about the fact that his White Castle just kills me. You don't but, do
3: that to White Castle. Yeah, exactly. Oh
2: man. And they're talking about how um, there was an accord made between heaven and hell millennia ago, wherein Lucifer was banished from the heavens and sent to earth and you see the conversation between like the Archangel Michael and Lucifer as he's being corrupted and now and he says wait all right so he sent me to hell why can't I leave and he's like no you can't leave this is your punishment he's like what's he what's he gonna do is he gonna send me back to hell you know what I'm annexing earth too (laughs) and at this point Lucifer decides all his children and demons have free reign of the globe so um in response to this There is one chosen human, and there can only ever be one at a time, who is the killer of demons. He can see them, he can defeat them. He's tougher, he's stronger, he's faster, but he's still mortal. But there can only ever be one. And uh, throughout the comic, it's just him grappling with whether this is happening or not, if he's really some holy avenger, or if he's just massacring an office building in various fast food places. <laughs> he checks himself into an asylum at one point, but uh, decides after a time, yeah, all right, I guess I have to, when he realizes that his boss back at Acheson is Astaroth, one of the original fallen hosts, like Satan's cohort. <laughs> you know, so, uh, oh, Wow. Oh, it's fantastic. And he fights and he fights, and his little... His little cherub uh, friend there, Uriel, who tells him where to go, who to kill. Um, at some point, the fight's turning against him, and Uriel prays. He's like, hey, help us out here. I mean, it's it's not working out. And, uh, you know, I guess God or whoever, some angel intervenes and distracts a demon so that uh, the killer can get a get a hit off on him. And at the very end of the comic they they go back to um the accord between lucifer and the angels and they're discussing and they're like all right hang on so we can only have one guy down there killing angels but he can have unlimited demons on earth and they're like yeah yeah that's the deal it's like how did how did he manage that and he's like it's just satan's a dick all right he's just a smooth talker <laughs> and he's an asshole and this is how it is and if our killer of demons if he cheats Satan gets to activate his guy and they're like what does that mean and it hard cuts to like Lucifer appearing in some like dilapidated warehouse and he's looking off camera and he says the angel cheated I've been waiting for this for a long time rise killer of angels and there's like this ninja in a pentagram with like two Mac 10s <laughs> so presumably that's going to be the next issue I need to get hold of it because oh it's a lot of fun and I haven't done it justice so I really recommend you
3: guys check awesome. it out yeah the cover reminds me of, like, a cross between Army of Darkness well, and yeah, Luther's Grove. definitely got that yeah. vibe. Yeah,
2: it's so awesome. Yeah, I
3: loved it.
1: All right. Very successful comic dump bin, I, I think say. so. A lot of good books. And with that, let's just move right into...
3: Real World Heroes. Jack, who do we have this week? Takobi Bird from Florida. And what has Takobi Bird done to deserve a spot on the Wall of Justice? He has. Well, this happened last month, actually. So it's a pretty recent deal. Uh, Takobi was waiting for his school bus to arrive one morning. Uh, At the intersection where he was waiting, there was a school bus that was getting ready to pick up some kids. Another school bus that was parked behind it. As he was standing there waiting for his bus to come, those buses are sitting there, he notices a semi flying down the road. Uh Uh-oh. And it's going pretty fast, and it didn't look like it was going to stop in time. So, it ends up trying to slow down, hits the first bus, which, of course, sends the other bus into the one in front of it, and he, just before a kid put his foot to get onto that bus, grabbed that kid, pulled him back. And pretty much probably saved that kid's life. Oh, yeah. Anyway. And after that, it was reported that he even got on the bus and was helping kids get out the windows and stuff to save them. There was a couple kids that didn't going the hospital. There was just a bunch of some broken bones and bruising, but nobody got seriously hurt. Could have been a hell of a lot worse. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And apparently it was the driver of the semi was saying that there was a lot of sun glare, so he didn't realize how fast he was going or that he needed to stop pretty quick so oh really huh, so he yeah. was
1: just cruising along listening yeah. to
3: uh, rush or that whatever morning <laughs> sunshine coming up and just blinding him so wow wow I guess bring sunglasses If you're driving a truck I'm <laughs> I know, know trucker I, don't. I know what it's like
1: There's certain Toward the end of summer Coming up Cemetery Road over here mm, Yeah The sun hits
2: you You just yeah. can't see
1: anything Staring I
2: directly have. into the nuclear yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: So For that, Takobi You have found a spot On our wall of justice In the hall
3: of heroes Man, that's that's really cool It's wild Takes some reflexes Yeah Yeah, yeah.
1: Alright, very cool All right. Well, with that all behind us, let's just turn our attention right over to Jeff Nelson and talk about his comic, Sons of Yellowstone. Thanks again for being with us, Jeff.
0: No problem, man. Thank you.
1: So this was a very interesting book. I think we all had a lot of fun Mm -hmm. reading it. Definitely. Um, It was cool to read because you... I, it almost had like a Western kind of vibe to it, but at the same time, it i mean obviously wasn't a Western.
3: That's what I thought I was getting into.
1: Right, yeah. <laughs> but it was really cool and a nice balance. So can you tell uh, first the listeners a little bit about uh, Sons of Yellowstone?
0: Okay, so Sons of Yellowstone takes place in the year 20AY. That's And the A-Y stands for after Yellowstone. So <clears throat> basically the concept is that this is a world where um, the Yellowstone Caldera experienced a major eruption. It basically just decimated all of modern civilization. So there were survivors um, and they've kind of rebuilt in these small villages. And basically the premise is that this wanderer whose name is um, whose name is um, Cedric, you know he's 25 um, he um so so he was like four or five When the caldera uh, when, when the caldera uh, went off um, He You know he's wandering And he basically goes west and finds This giant and basically finds This giant city and that's Weird you know given that the um, Given that the caldera Basically just um, Yeah um, And basically he finds that In this um, city um, His kind who are called Sons of Yellowstone, who are people who, who absorbed um, this substance that um, – sorry, it's been a long day <laughs> – this okay. substance that gave them powers, he finds that they're not allowed in public, and he's trying to figure out why that is. It really stems from there, I think. Um, it kind of um, – it's only two issues in. So, um, so basically, he was in this city called Nuevo San Diego. Um, Sons of Yellowstone, who are people who absorbed um, yellow mercury, who aren't allowed in public in this city. He's trying to figure out why Sons of Yellowstone aren't allowed in public, and it really ties into what O'Denki is doing. Who are um, who? Uh, who's the guy back in what used to be uh, Minnesota? Because because Odenke was the guy who warned him not to go west, and that's kind of where it all takes off from there.
1: I I can't wait to see. See, I don't know how much I can say here. I mean, can I talk about the issues? Anything? What happens?
0: Yeah, talk as you want.
1: Okay, just uh, Cedric's beef with the mayor. I want to see how that develops. That's mm-hmm. what I'm really curious about. But uh, more so than that, I'm kind of curious. How did you? Where did you come up with this idea?
0: That's kind of what everyone's um, always asking me. And I think it really stems from my frustration sort of with the zombie genre, because, you know, I mm. think I started running it back when the zombie genre got very big um, um, because I think back before um, the zombie genre Totally exploded, um, with The Walking Dead. It was sorta of taken with a bit of a tongue in cheek approach, you know. It wasn't it wasn't taken very seriously, you know, it was kind of also had a bit of a tongue in cheek vibe to it. Right. But um, I think I remember there was one I was just kind of walking around one day, I was and I probably just um, gotten out of college. I had always been an avid writer and, and things like that. And there was, um, and I kind of um, overheard a person talking about like, oh, well, you know, uh, a zombie apocalypse could, you know, happen. And and that just kind of was the, I, I think that was the last straw for me because i was you know because i kind of was hoping that someone could write a post apocalyptic story about something uh, about a scenario that's more plausible so i started thinking about you know i started thinking about um scenarios that could happen and if they did what's the likelihood um for survival so i started you know Jotting ideas down, and wrote down like you know, uh, I wrote down some scenarios that we'd have zero chance of surviving, like uh, neutron star or you know those oh, yeah. we those you
3: know. <laughs> no coming back from that. No, <laughs> that's pretty much it. That's pretty final.
0: Yeah. So, but um, but then I um, but then um, but then I went to the Yellowstone Caldera, and I thought that actually be kind of cool. So I thought, um, and then that brought me back to this little file i wrote back after work and it was um basically about this you know cowboy figure who walks into a bar in this giant you know kind of um industrial city no one knows who he is um an old man tries to strike up conversation with them the guy removes his hat um, it's revealed that the stranger Has glowing yellow eyes And then basically it goes from there So I kind of linked this idea Back with something that I You know that I had You know written already
1: So we were real, we were at SpaceCon What was that uh, two weeks ago Two weeks ago <clears throat> And uh, one of the guys that was with us Came back to our table and said Didn't you say uh, Sons of Yellowstone oh, writer right, yeah. was going to be on your show I'm Like yeah well, you got a table set up over there, so we took off running. We're like, "Hey, we're gonna get to meet this guy face to face." But uh, it was actually the what was it, Head Shrinker's Press, Yeah, yeah. So how did uh, how did you end up with them, or are you them, or how's that work?
0: I was with them, and we split like a few weeks ago. Um, oh, it was man. all sort of. It was all sort of uh, business. And, you know, they're very good guys. And, you know, so, you know, it was it was definitely not a personal thing. It's just sort of like, you know, I wanted to do one thing and they wanted to do something else. So, you know, we, you know, so we sort of decided that it's in, you know, it would be in both of our best interests if we just kind of, you know, if we went our separate ways.
2: Always better when you can leave on good terms.
1: You don't always—it uh, doesn't always work with people, you know. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't.
2: Creativity would
0: have yeah, no I mean, worth. Um, if we all agreed on the same thing. Exactly. They helped me um, get my start, and that was something that I really was thankful for. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like they linked me up um, with the artists um, and the colorist and the letterer and the team that I have is um, is very much intact. So that's um, you know. Um, So that's cool. We're currently working on issue three, and and we're pitching a full graphic novel to new publishers.
1: Oh, wow. Well, very cool, man. I wish you the best of luck, though you probably won't need it. How far do you see this uh, series going?
0: Oh, man, I have... So let's see. I have issues one through six written, and that's going to be volume one of the graphic novel. Um, Seven through 12 is going to be volume two. Um, So basically volumes one and two are going to encompass part one. I have more planned for after that, but it's kind of all in the very early stages. I think um, once once the reader listens to – I mean once the reader reads part one (laughs) –
1: I do the same thing all the time. Six. I'm always calling I, comics episodes. Yeah, <laughs> so don't feel bad.
0: Yeah. I think they're going to, I think they're going to really get an idea of what's going on because um, right now, the, I mean, you know, I, you know, everyone said that, you know, there's not a whole lot of exposition as to what's going on in the, in these first two issues. And that was very much, you know, the intention because those are kind of my favorite, those are my favorite kinds of stories where we have to keep reading to figure out what happens i'm the kind of person where you know if i read a novel and by 30 pages in i know everything i just you know i lose interest because you know there's no point in, you know there's, there's no point in continuing it's easy to, um, try to figure
3: out where it's gonna go from there yeah and i yeah, exactly you see like that,
2: that work really well in a lot of novels that, that open up not giving you much it gives you an incentive to read mm-hmm, like one right. of the things that comes to mind and actually i got a Depending on your opinion of Stephen King, I don't know if you'll consider this a compliment or or an insult, but I got kind of a Dark Tower vibe. I don't know if you've... Boom! Nailed it. (laughs) Yeah? (laughs) Okay. You know, you've got this lone gunslinger rolling into town, world's gone to shit, you know, all these strange customs and cultures and sayings and professions, and you don't necessarily know what they mean, but the implications build the story. So if that's what you're shooting for, I am behind it 100%.
0: You got to trust your audience, you know, I mean, that, and that, I mean, and it would just be sort of clunky, like, you know, if you, you know, if you explain every last thing behind every little You're quirk absolutely. or, you know, behind behind every little quirk, behind every little, you know, yeah, it would just be awkward and clunky. So you don't want to hold
2: their hand through the whole story, you know,
0: a lot of people have asked me questions about Cedric's um, dialects and how he goes from like Spanish to French to English to Dutch to, you know, he even speaks like some Latin in there and, the reason for that um, is this was like in the early, the early um, development of the story. I just figured that you know because America is such a huge melting pot of cultures that let's say if something happened where you know the American where you know American you know infrastructure just went to shit and everything kind of dissolved. Let's say you have a community of you know, let's see, let's see, you have like. Um, a a community of people from ecuador right okay Mm -hmm. they probably go back to to speaking just spanish because the necessity for them to speak english is now gone you know they are now confined to their one community and that's it you know culture yeah it's been going from village to village and basically picking up all of these you know languages and that's kind of why it's um, and um, and that's kind of and that's kind of um, the reason for that. I even wrote in a reason for the Latin, which which I'm hoping to write in part two, uh, basically just um, just to um, give you guys the backstory behind it is that when the this is sort of based off of a Latin. Uh, <clears throat> I took Latin in high school and my teacher was absolutely insane.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Those are the best teachers I've always found.
0: <laughs> if you ever said that Latin was a dead language, she went insane. She would be like, "Well, are you aware that Latin is the official language of the Vatican?" And she was all on, and she went on these tirades. So I thought it would be cool to base a despot character off her and say that <laughs> she was teaching a Latin class at her college, when the caldera went off, she got confined to her campus after, and she basically became a despot, and she basically made Latin the language of her newly found uh, I could see myself s- doing the same thing. If, <laughs>
2: <I'll be honest. laughs> if I had taken the time to learn Latin, I'm like, no, all you sons of bitches are going to suffer with me.
0: It's so frustrating. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's kind of, for Latin... It, it doesn't matter what it doesn't matter what order the words are in the sentence. It, it, it can be freaking anywhere, and you've got to figure out what order the words go in. that is a nightmare. It's like it's the nothing. math of languages. You know? <laughs> it's all these equations. <laughs> so that character is not going to be in until part two. But you know, I thought you know, you know, I mean, I um as. Dark as this world is, I, I kind of wanted to give it some aspects that make it feel kind of like. Have you guys ever played the game uh, Borderlands? Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. I kind of wanted to give it a touch of that dynamic too. I mean, you know, the villain's not going to be yelling. I mean, the the, the villain's not going to act like um, the villain in that game. But you know, it's. I wanted to give it, you know, tiny little um, hints of that. <clears throat> post-apocalyptic settings a good test bed for zaniness
2: mm-hmm. you can make some pretty crazy character decisions so I see that, how that exactly. yeah. Um, yeah absolutely yeah. <laughs> yeah. very cool so the website I had to
1: refer people was a Head Shrinkers uh, press website. So, is there somewhere else uh, that they should be going now? Or
0: If you want to buy my comic, um, you have to go. I set up an Etsy store for it. Just uh, go on Etsy, and the keyword is Sons of Yellowstone. Very cool. Amazing. Easy enough. Yeah.
1: You're on uh, social media as well?
0: Yep. I am on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, my um, my Twitter handle is at S-O um, Yellowstone um, My Facebook is Sons of Yellowstone, my Instagram is you know, same thing, It's you know, yeah
1: Okay, cool, very cool We're going to gonna have to add you too, I don't know if yeah. we got you on there yet but this was a heck of a lot of fun to read and uh, I just want to thank you so much, one, for taking the time to do this and two, letting us read your book
0: yeah, No problem, oh guys, um, thank you
3: Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to cannedairpodcast.com where you can see show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on all our social media, visit the Wall of Justice to see the Hall of Heroes, visit the video page to see our YouTube videos, and if you want to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email on our contact page. And Don't forget to find us on Twitter at
1: candairpod and on Instagram at canned underscore air. And uh, Jack just put a new G.I. Joe PSA up uh, for everyone to watch. If you are into those, uh, this one's, oh, man, this one's great. It's a good one. It's a good one. It's a good one. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this week. So until next time, I am Jeremy Collie, Jack
0: Doherty. Jake Runyon. And Jeff Nelson.
1: Thanks for listening,
0: everyone.
4: I can't wait
3: to see this movie.
1: But wait, Timmy's blind! But what am I supposed to do?
2: Why not try a podcast?
3: Spirit Spirit!
2: All the comic and pop culture entertainment you could want in the Canned Air Podcast.
3: Finally! A form of entertainment not fully reliant on visual stimulation.
1: Now we know!
2: And knowing is half the battle. GI Joe!